This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for this Wednesday, July 12th. The forecast for today looks like a lovely day. Sunny with a high of 25. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, Toronto's 66th Mayor, Olivia Chow, will be sworn in this morning. Number two, Deputy Mayor Jennifer McKelvey will appear on Moore in the Morning at 8.20. Number three, the central bank interest rate is expected to pinch the economy and rise today. Number four, Honda Indy road closures begin on and around Lakeshore today. And number five, Toronto set to bid on Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, no bells ringing here, mercifully. And even if they were, like I said... Although I, I'm sure that some concerned troller could say that having a strobe light go off to alert us to a fire would be just as disorienting and unfortunate. Um, but, uh, yeah, the bells are ringing, as you would have heard in the uh, 5 a.m. news. And I'm glad that Ashley actually flagged that because there must have been people listening just wondering, what the heck? Is that where I am? Is that happening in my condo? Is that happening outside of my car? What's going on here? It's like when you hear a siren or something, you think, wait a minute, is there, as I'm driving, is that a fire truck or a police car behind me? Do I need to pull over? Well, it's one of the reasons why, actually, we don't generally, like, they don't use sirens and gunshots in commercials because it's, uh, it's beyond alarming. But actually, there was something running a while back where I was in the car and there was a siren on something, I forget what it was, and I thought, okay, got to pull over, got to, oh, it's on the radio. So, welcome to your Wednesday, not just any Wednesday, Uh, this being the 12th of July, we get a new mayor today. Olivia Chow is going to be sworn in, and apparently, it's funny, I was uh, talking with a city councillor yesterday, and you know me, right? Like, I I'm, I'm a wonk. I get a kick out of things like the swearing in of a mayor. So I called up a city councillor that I knew and said, what's the protocol for access on Wednesday? And he said, actually, it's going to be very small and very fast. And generally, there, you know, there are a bunch of invited guests from Olivia Chow, but everybody else is basically like even staff at City Hall apparently won't be uh, able to fit in. I suppose I could have gone over. Nick Marano, I don't know when the last time you were at Toronto City Hall was, but um, the way it works, it's an amphitheater, right? And you go up these stairs, and then there's this deck area where the media are. And there is still a desk there with CFRB written on it. And so we still have a reserved space at Toronto City Hall. So I suppose if I wanted to crash it, but I'm entertaining a friend from out of town, and I don't think that's really something he wants to do. Bring them to City Hall. Let him see how it all works. Yeah, well, I mean, he could bless the whole thing. It's uh, the Bishop of Quebec. You know, it's our old friend Bruce Myers. Some people believe we need it. I, I always remember Bruce Myers um, when he comes to visit. He's an age-old friend from back in the day when he was a broadcaster. Then he wrote a famous column in McLean's magazine, and the headline was, Why I Will Become a Priest. And he did become a priest, and then he rapidly got promoted to the point where now he's a bishop, and so he heads up the whole diocese in Quebec and beyond. And uh, he came to visit us when we had just moved into our new home. And he's on his way out the door with his suitcase going to the train station, and I said, did you bless the house? He said, yes. So I said, okay. 
And that's kind of one of those weird things is like, I know there's people out there who have issues about finding out that they ate a meal and that the, the meat was halal and like, who really cares? You know, it's not a magic spell. Uh, it's not, it's not a chemical additive. It's just a, it's a circumstance. So Olivia Chow is going to ride her bike to city hall today. She doesn't have a driver's license. She doesn't own a car. Now as mayor, she gets a car and a driver. So I texted the guy yesterday um, who is the, has been the mayor's driver for a very, very long time. And I said, so what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to follow her? Are you, you going to learn to ride a bike? Uh, he said, I don't know yet, because apparently he's on detail today. And this is why occasions like this I find compelling and captivating. I mean, Jennifer McKelvey, the deputy mayor, who has effectively been our acting mayor for 144 days, is going to drop into studio this morning at 820. And technically, she's the mayor until the moment that uh, Olivia Chow says whatever the final words of the oath of office are. So help me God or whatever it might be. Uh, but I find that kind of thing interesting. You know, like what if there's some incredible crisis today that happens before 11 o'clock and the swearing in? You know, does uh, Olivia Chow have to sit quietly in the back of a room uh, while Jennifer McKelvey runs the show? And I'll also point you, if you haven't been on Twitter, and you can be forgiven if you've taken a pass on Twitter of late, I have as well. I just find it's become such a toxic soup of anonymous trolls, people just trying to make trouble, people lying about things. Um, you know, the guy who owns it, Elon Musk, making a jackass of himself on a regular basis. I mean, I'm not kidding. He actually challenged Mark Zuckerberg the head of Meta, Facebook, et cetera, to um, measuring their little soldiers so he could establish that his little soldier is bigger than... I mean, honestly, you are a grown man and a billionaire and one of the most influential technologists of your time, and you are a moron. Uh, but uh, back off Twitter. Uh, what I was getting at was Jennifer McKelvey posted a photograph last night of herself from the back so she's looking out the mayor's window. And if you're not familiar with the mayor's office, it's honestly, it's like the deck of the Starship Enterprise because there is this bowl, right? Where like it's a round office floor. So you can walk the whole round and you can see all of the city councilors and all of their offices. And there's the mayor's office. And then it has windows that overlook Nathan Phillips Square. And so she's overlooking Nathan Phillips Square in the twilight hours on her last night, on her last full day as effectively the mayor of Toronto. And I have to go back into it to see exactly what she wrote, but I think it just said, I love you, Toronto. And that's an aspect of the job that I've always talked about. When you're the mayor of a town, you're kind of like a cheerleader and a mascot, as well as a chief magistrate and a, an administrator. And so, you know, to communicate a powerful appreciation of the city and love of the city and to be a booster of the city is uh, just part of the job. But it was, uh, I thought it was a really neat image. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. And those road closures are fairly familiar now. We've been doing that every year for years. So if it affects your drive in and drive home, then you probably already know what's going to be happening. Uh, they start at noon today 
and it's sort of a an escalating adventure. And, you know, part of that is that we're going to be having the Honda Indy this weekend, which is going to be, uh, well, I hope that you think that's a lot of fun. Um, I know that I've been down a couple of times, went once, and we got taken for a drive on the track. And they obviously put a driver and belted us into the passenger seat. And then the, I don't even know how fast we were going. It was quite alarming, but it was a lot of fun as well. And one of the aspects of Toronto's Indy is, for example, in Montreal, they have a track that is purpose-made for motor racing. In Toronto, we just you know, delineate the route, but you're on existing roadways, and some of them are pretty uneven. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's quite the challenge, apparently. I've talked to drivers about it, and um, some of them like the challenge of being on uneven payment. And, and if you've driven around the fairgrounds, for example, on some of the roadways that are part of the track, you'll know, I mean, sometimes it's cement, sometimes it's pavement, sometimes it's both, it's rough, it's uneven, uh, it's very bendy. And so it uh, presents quite the challenge. Looking at an article this morning where um, it's a fairly light treatment of the issue, but apparently the uh, city of Toronto and Metrolinx are hoping that as a result of building the Eglinton Crosstown, they will have learned some important lessons that will inform the construction of the new Ontario line. And you certainly have to hope so. I mean, I would hope that you know, almost on a daily basis, somebody is compiling reports about everything from, you know, the, the state of business on Eglinton to um, how well the tunneling went and, you know, whatever is going wrong right now. And, you know, I've been trying to track this story down for a while. And believe me, there are a goodly number of Toronto journalists work in this story, and they have better resources and better sources probably at the Toronto Star where they have designated transportation reporters. But I was talking to somebody, and I, you know, this is where you have to protect your sources, so I can't say where or what aspect of the crosstown they were associated with, but they confirmed to me something I had heard from somebody else, which is that somewhere along the system, not necessarily the entire trackway, but somewhere along the system, the tracks are laid in such a way that they are not at the right angle. And so they're having to relay them. Now, this is again, I haven't been able to 100% confirm this from two different sources, which is what you're supposed to do in the business. But I have been hearing for months and other people in the business tell me they've been hearing the same thing, that somewhere along the line, engineering wise, some mistakes were made. And it would explain certainly why Metrolinx has gone dark like a Russian submarine. I mean, you can't get anything out of them right now. And there has been not a peep about the Eglinton Crosstown, except the flagging of the fact that it was supposed to open, what, four years ago? Let's look into the file for a second. Uh, yeah, it's four years overdue. And the projection was that at some point during this calendar year, it was going to open. And then we were told, yeah, no, not this year either. So Olivia Chow being sworn in today. Uh, Nick, you can throw in uh, number 21, actually, because I know that Olivia Chow has been meeting. I don't know if she's met with all city councillors, but she's met with some of her 
rivals on council who ran against her. Uh, and she has also been meeting with people who are currently the head of different commissions and committees. And then I don't know how quickly we're going to find out if those people get reconfirmed or if there is going to be a big shakeup. But Olivia Chow is trying to be very conciliatory. I've assured every councillor that they will be doing what they love to do and be able to accomplish what they want to accomplish in these three years that we have in front of us. And I don't imagine that Jennifer McKelvey, when she's here at 820, even if she knows for sure, is going to tip her hand. But obviously one of the questions I'll ask is, do you continue as deputy mayor? And what a funny position that is, because under John Tory previously, there were four deputy mayors and it was really just it's an honorary thing. It's just so you can appear in public and everyone says, ladies and gentlemen, the deputy mayor and the councillor for ward, blah, blah, blah. And then I guess it was I think it's only during this term. So since last fall's election, John Tory decided he'd have one deputy mayor. And all of a sudden it turns into like being the vice president. You're Lyndon Johnson. And, you know, all of a sudden you're in Dallas, Texas, and you're the president of the United States. Uh, Deborah McKelvey, as deputy mayor, had to take over from John Tory for uh, Jennifer. Sorry, Deborah McKelvey is a friend of mine who does fashion in California. Uh, Jennifer McKelvey. Um, you know, all of a sudden she ends up basically being the mayor of Toronto. And we'll talk about that at 820 because it is kind of one of those freaky situations, isn't it? You probably thought it was like wearing a sash. And then all of a sudden you ended up in the mayor's office. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. So Nick Marano, we stand corrected, or I do at the very least. I had compared a an image of Jennifer McKelvey, the outgoing acting mayor, standing, looking out the windows across Nathan Phillips Square. I said it was like the command deck of the Starship Enterprise, but uh, a listener texts, the command deck of the Enterprise does not have any windows. It has a big computer screen. You're thinking of 10 forward, the bar and lounge at the front of the ship. No, actually, I wasn't. You know, I'm, wow. You know, is that Trudy Mason? Trudy Mason, I uh, worked with for years at CJD in Montreal, and she's a delightful lady. And But she and her husband are both such Star Trek fanatics. Their wedding was Star Trek themed. And I think they even ended up wearing jerseys. Hopefully they didn't wear red jerseys. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they're big on the, I, sometimes I have to think, you know, that thing in Star Trek where it, they've got these sort of giant Q-tips and they, they fight with each other and you have that music. This is the first iteration of Star Trek. Um, I sometimes wonder if that's sort of their, their ritual at home. Well, part of the vows, you know, live long and prosper. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not a bad ethos, right? I mean, Star Trek tends to be a little talky, but it's all about a future where almost everybody gets along. So um, remember back in the day, and I had to Google for the name, the man who was known as the King of Pot in Canada, Mark Emery, a guy who went to jail for distributing pot seeds through the mail. And we had many a good conversation with his wife about the legalization of marijuana. And the fact that he was in jail for, you know, sending people seeds. And on now, of course, marijuana has been legal for how many years? I think we're coming up on the fifth anniversary. And it's a bit like, um, you know, same-sex marriage. The world was going to come to an... Oh, okay. I guess everybody's fine. All right. Let's, let's keep moving. So the new frontier in this is magic mushrooms. And there's a group of people 
They call themselves the fun guys who have started opening storefront operations to sell mushrooms and they're getting busted. Here's Vanessa Lee reporting on one of those busts. Police raided this Montreal magic mushroom dispensary hours after it opened, arresting four people. It's too soon uh, to say, uh, to confirm who, who was in there. Magic mushrooms contain a chemical known as psilocybin, a hallucinogen some research suggests can treat a variety of mental health disorders, including depression. Pierre is trying it for the first time in decades in hopes it will help with neck and back pain. I'm looking for something. It's possible. Uh, it's better for me. Currently, the production, sale and possession of magic mushrooms are illegal in Canada. Health Canada says while clinical trials with psilocybin have shown promising results, there are no approved therapeutic products. Currently, we apply for patients that are really uh, in dire need, and Health Canada gives approval. Magic mushroom shops have sprung up across the country despite potential consequences. Owners arguing it is safer than buying the drugs off the street. Observers say the defiance reminds them of those who opened cannabis stores before they were legalized. For me, it's obvious that psilocybin will be recreationally accessible legally. Doctors warn doing the drug on your own without a professional is considered high risk. If someone does something in an unsupported environment, you know, these substances are amplifiers of, of our psyche. And so, you know, it could definitely cause harm. Fun Guys vows not only to reopen this store, it plans to add as many as five more locations in the province this summer. That was Vanessa Lee, and that report was filed about a Montreal dispensary run by Fun Guys, but there was also one apparently in Windsor. Uh, that was busted. Uh, Jim Richards actually had, a, I thought, a fascinating conversation I was listening to early this morning on Reroll uh, with the guy who was effectively at the top of this organization, although there was some squirrely aspects to that conversation about what his name really is. But I th this is going to be an interesting debate because it should never be about the product that somebody consumes. It's about whether or not that is having a deleterious effect on public safety. And I guess if you want to get all, um, you know, in in up in people's affairs, then you can say, well, this is for your better better safety. You know, I, I don't think you should be doing magic mushrooms because it's going to be bad for you. But generally, it's kind of like pot. And everybody said, well, pot, everyone's going to get behind the wheel because they're going to be whacked on pot. And it has been an issue from time to time, but no more so than booze has been ever since the introduction of the motor car. And when it comes to the legalization of certain products and the availability of certain products, you always have to think, okay, so the government is in the business of running all of the liquor stores and distributing a product that gives you cancer, that um, can lead to, to drunk driving, can lead to all kinds of bad behavior, domestic disputes and, and domestic abuse and, um, you know, public drunkenness, whatever. Government can retail that. But don't you dare sell pot. Okay, well, now you can sell pot. We'll give you a license. Don't you dare sell mushrooms. One last note on the mushroom file would be that um, they're apparently extraordinarily useful in palliative care. 
And it's no small number of studies that have, and anecdotal reports as well, but that have revealed that people who have a terminal diagnosis, if they take a supervised mushroom trip with doc, you know, administered by a doctor, that their fear of death, their anxiety about their illness and their death, all of that stuff is virtually erased. And then I was listening to another report um, where they offered that for people who suffer from anxiety and depression, one trip not only doesn't erase it permanently, but it has months of benefit where you do not have to be, for example, on pharmaceuticals because you've taken a trip. So that's one of the things we'll talk about on the show this morning. Another thing, I know, I know this got a lot of attention last week while I was away, but there's a new wrinkle to this business about the King's Council controversy. And that's simply that Doug Ford, the premier, at a premier's meeting yesterday, which continues today, was asked about the controversy. And just to reset the table, because I know not everybody follows this stuff hour to hour, day to day. Um, Ontario got rid of what used to be Queen's Council is now King's Council. And it's a designation. It's a completely bogus thing. Back in the day, there actually was a composition. There was, you know, a council and they were supposed to provide advice to the regent. And it was, I think, exclusively lawyers who got this designation. And it was non-horrific. You know, you put it after your name, KC or QC. And then Ontario decided to get rid of that. Well, Ontario decided to reintroduce it quite recently. And the first 91 recipients all seem to be really cozy with the government. Now, here would be my question to you. How much do you care? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not money. It doesn't give you any privilege. You don't get to drive on the 407 without paying just because you're KC. Um, yes, it is one of those sort of cozy things where you get a certain honor because you've been a donor or an organizer for a political party, but that's kind of the way it's always worked. Okay, time for what Toronto's talking about. Let's say good morning to News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Nice to be here. Hey, good morning, John. Good to see you. And of course, it's going to be an interesting day in Toronto as Mayor-elect Olivia Chow is officially going to be sworn in. She's going to be biking to work on her first day in office and she'll be trying, I suppose, not to spit her wheels once she gets there. Yeah, without giving away too much, it's not that long a bike ride. She actually lives more or less in the city core, mm -hmm. but still, it sets a tone that she does not own a car, does not have a driver's license. She'll be biking. I asked her security protection what they're planning on doing. They said, well, we can't tell you. So I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to follow behind in a vehicle or if they're going to take to a bike. But yes, yeah, so Olivia Chow will be sworn in this morning at 11. And it seems like she's trying to set a very conciliatory tone. I mean, obviously, some of the people on council ran against her. Others are more conservative than she is, so it'll be interesting to see moving forward whether or not she changes committee assignments if uh, Jennifer McKelvey comes back as the deputy mayor. Mm -hmm. mm, okay, turning uh, to something else happening uh, about 10 o'clock today, the rate hike is expected to come out from the Bank of Canada, and the goal is to hurt people? Well, the uh, central bank, the street is actually betting 70% to 30 that they are going to raise the rate. So it would go from 4.75 to 5. And yeah, the idea is to continue to um, generate some downward pressure on the economy. And it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because, I mean, everybody wants us to control inflation. So we raise the interest rate and then everybody complains that the price of housing is going up. But there is some question. There are a lot of critics who actually mm -hmm. believe that today's hike could 
be a bridge too far. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I was just talking to a friend the other day about you know what he could qualify for mortgage-wise, and it was just remarkable with the way the rates are, how low that number actually is now. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's turn to this. Uh, John, uh, illegal psilocybin dispensary in Windsor, Ontario, basically magic mushrooms, is vowing to fight for legalization. This reminds me a lot about the fight for legalizing cannabis a few years ago. Exactly, and I actually had to go Google to remember who the guy who led that charge was, and it was Mark Emery yeah. who ended up doing jail time for distributing pot seeds. So now it's magic mushrooms. Mm. There's a group called Fun Guys. They have uh, storefront, <laughs> yeah, they have storefront operations in a number of places, including Windsor, which got busted. There's one in Montreal, which also got busted. And you know, ultimately, the same questions that were raised about pot are going to be raised about mushrooms. What is the government's role in telling you what you can and cannot? Consider? Consume. There's one down the street too, John. Right on Queen, called yeah. Trumies, I believe. Yeah. So I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> I only know for a friend. We don't yeah. expect you to, John. All right, and uh, turning to this, it's probably time to get another COVID-19 booster come the fall. Yeah, we're going to be talking with our medical expert, Dr. Mitch Shulman, today about this, but it looks like you could be in line for another shot. It's the usual regimen. I mean, back in the day when we were in the midst of COVID, everybody knew the routine of who should go for the shot first and when you should get the, the next shot. But in this case, it's getting ready for another flu season. And if you have not had COVID or a booster shot in the last six months, then you should consider it. Yeah, and speaking of boost, this could be a boost for Toronto's economy. The Blue Jays could host Toronto's first Major League Baseball All-Star game in more than 30 years. I remember when they had it just after the Dome opened. Yeah, yeah, this would be the first time we do this since 1991. You're absolutely right. Looks like we're going to be on the short list for the 2025 Major League All-Star game, along with Atlanta and Baltimore. And the experts are saying a lot of this is about recognizing the fact that we've done so many remarkable renovations uh, where the Blue Jays play that we're kind of ready for the main, the main stage again. Yeah, bring it on. Mm -hmm. I, I think yeah. it should be every year just a different stadium, right? I mean, there's 30 teams or 32 yeah. teams. Like, just Rotate. move it around. Know, know your schedule. Makes sense to me. But who am I? <laughs> <laughs> okay, News Talk 1010's John Moore. John, always a pleasure. Have a great show. We'll chat with you, you tomorrow. Too. All right, sorry to leave Nick hanging like that, but we're talking sports. I got nothing more to add. Uh, that was Nick Dixon and Jennifer Chung over at CP24. And Nick, you didn't see the end of the game last night. I wasn't watching because I was up to other stuff, but um, there was a major. We had the All-Star game last night. In Seattle, yes. In Seattle. Okay, so it was a late start for us here on the East Coast, right? 8 p.m. No, they, it was 8 p.m. Eastern. Oh, so okay. five, Yeah, the Pacific people, they can deal with 5 o'clock starts. But, but when you're doing a show at 5 a.m., it's kind of hard to stay up for the end of a baseball game. Yeah, it is. Uh, last time that I checked on the app, it was a 2-1 American League going into the 7th or something. Okay, we might have a chance. But then the National League hit a two-run home run, bottom of the 8th, to win for the first time, I believe, in 13 years. Now, going back to the Jays possibly hosting or Toronto hosting All-Star Game, it'll be exciting. And I think they want to wait till most of the renovations are done yeah. because only the first phase was completed this past off season, so I think they want to make sure that as much of the stadium is uh, renovated before they invite the rest of the world to watch. I was hearing some speculation, actually, that uh, because the renovations are as radical as they are, and we're going through phase two next uh, winter into spring, that the Blue Jays may end up opening the season in Montreal. So that would be a treat for Montrealers. It'd be annoying for Torontonians, I think. Um, and then the other thing that should be said is that Montreal's Big O is the crappiest baseball venue probably in all of baseball. 
How incredible is that? We were talking on the show earlier this week about whether or not the Olympics are a blessing for a city, and they're not. And one of the worst aspects is they leave you with a legacy stadium that is close to useless for any other purpose because it must absolutely be built to Olympic specifications. So there is a size, a number of seats required. Then there's also the fact that it, it has to be open air. That's part of the, the whole thing when it comes to the Olympics. And so if you are Montreal, for example, you're building a stadium that is useful what, four months of the year. And then I always remember Roger Taillibert was the architect and he designed this incredible thing where the tower came over the stadium and the great big open to the air oval. And then this giant Kevlar roof would come running down these wires. And so that made it a retractable roof, except that it never worked properly. I don't think it worked properly a single time. And then it collapsed. So Montreal's stadium, uh, ultimately the Alouettes moved from the Big O to the stadium at McGill University, and that's worked out. Oddly enough, getting smaller worked for football in Montreal. Uh, the Expos ultimately ended up leaving Montreal altogether. But I don't know what they do at the Big O anymore. I don't even know if they do uh, concerts there. For as, as a concert venue, it sucked. All right, so enough about uh, stadiums and legacies, but uh, I don't see a downside. This is a bit like a, an echo of our conversation about the World Cup of soccer. I happen to be on board for that, even though, yes, I know taxpayers' dollars are going to end up going into it, but I still think it's going to be one hell of a party for the city, and it's going to put us on show. And as for the All-Star Game, I don't know if there's any public investment for that. So bring it on. It's going to be a party and people will come from all over. Bank of Canada interest rate, all eyes on Ottawa for the announcement. But it seems like they've already priced it in, in terms of how investors and others see us, um, th see things breaking out today. So we go from 4.75 to uh, 5%. Now, for an awful lot of people, this is becoming a little heart clutching because either you have a floating interest rate, in which case it goes up every single time they raise the central bank rate, or you are facing renewal sometime in the next two years or so, in which case, again, things the geography of that is going to change mightily. In my own case, I have a mortgage where no matter what happens, I pay the same amount every single month. And so... I haven't gone in. I was planning on going in this week online and taking a look. But what I'm curious about, obviously, is how much has the proportion changed between what is going to principal and what is going to interest? And where do you get to the point where you're barely paying any principal? 5.57 is the time. We'll see what some of our uh, pundits have to say about that. Um, I'm very happy to have Amanda Galbraith on the panel this morning, but uh, Wednesdays are usual, usually Preet Banerjee, who's a personal finance guy, so he would have been good on that. But everybody gets a vacation. That is The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.